0: Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria, England. and uh, welcome to Just Life. And this morning, I'm delighted to welcome back ACN, aid to the church in need. And we're joined once again by John Candia, Parliamentary and Press Officer. And today for the first time, we're joined by Dr. John Newton, ACN's Senior Press Officer. So good morning, John and John.
1: Good morning. Good morning.
0: Thank you so much for coming on Radio Maria to share with our listeners um, your important work and ACN were with us two weeks ago and introduced the report Persecuted and Forgotten a report on Christians oppressed for their faith between 2020 and 2022 which had been launched the day before um, in Westminster and two weeks ago John Candia and John Pontifex gave us an introduction to the report. And today, in particular, um, we're going to be looking at Africa and in particular, Nigeria. And we did, of course, have um, ACN's special guest, Bishop Jude, on the radio last Last week um, he was visiting and uh, he gave a special interview concerning the a particular event, the persecution of Christians and uh, a shooting that took place in, um, in Nigeria this summer on Pentecost Sunday. So I'm sure John and John will be referring to that. But uh, once again, a very warm welcome. And uh, we're going to begin with John Candia. So over to you, John.
2: Thank you very much, Elizabeth. And it's a pleasure to be back on presenting this report. So, my name is John Candia. I'm Parliamentary and Press Officer for Aid to the Church in Need. And Aid to the Church in Need is a pontifical foundation of the Catholic Church supporting the Catholic faithful and other Christians where they are persecuted, oppressed, or in pastoral need. So, among other targets, ACN. Works to advance the Catholic faith by supporting and promoting the church, especially in countries where Christians are suffering persecution or discrimination. And also furthers the charitable work of the church, so providing practical assistance, pastoral care for persons in need, and especially those living in or fleeing in from, from countries that are war torn and have serious political crises. And a number of the tasks ACN conducts are providing catechetical material and books, broadcasting the faith, helping with church buildings. So a number of the projects that we help to fund are building churches and other needed community centres, supporting the training of seminarians and granting um, money for formation of religious and catechists, and also subsidising mass stipends and providing emergency aid to those who are, as I mentioned, in, in war-torn situations. And ACN, as part of their work, produces a report every few years, every two years on the situation facing persecuted Christians around the world, particularly in 24 countries where the situation is most dire. And my colleague, Dr. John Newton, who will be talking in a few minutes about the the focus of this this show, Nigeria, uh, as part of our wider discussion on Africa, uh, he, he conducted a lot of the material for the report. And the report's aim, uh, the report being persecuted and forgotten, question mark, a report on christians oppressed for their faith 2020 to 2022 the report's aim is precisely to to bring home the fact that christians are in such a dire situation around the world and that they need our help primarily our encouragement our pastoral support our, our motivation to help them keep going to, to standing up for their faith in jesus christ in in some of the most challenging and demanding situations that we can scarcely imagine And we're going to run through a few of those scenarios today and the report's aim is is to not only shine a light on their situation, but to, to encourage politicians, activists, those in authority to, to help alleviate their suffering, as well as waking up the church to what's going on. So those are a few of the, the key aims of this report. It's a big report, 144 pages in total, so there's a lot to get through, and we're going to summarise a few of those points today. And the key findings of the report are essentially, if there's one fact that you take away today, the listeners It's this, that in 75% of countries surveyed in the report of the 24 countries surveyed, 75% of them, the oppression or persecution of Christians increased. So all around the world, mainly in Africa, the Middle East and in Asia, and this five-part series we're conducting, the introduction being two weeks ago, uh, today being the first of the continental discussions on uh, on Africa. We're going to move on to the Middle East next time and then go over to Asia. And these three continents, Africa, Middle East and Asia, are precisely the the hotspots uh, of Christian persecution. And so the report deals with 24 countries, the worst 24 in these three continents. So that's a brief introduction to what's going on with ACN's recent work. And uh, I look forward to inviting Dr. John Newton uh, in, in a minute to to come and talk about Nigeria. We recently had a, a, a visit from Bishop Jude Aragundade of Ondo Diocese in Nigeria. Whose church, one of the churches in his diocese, Saint Francis Saviour Church, was in know was uh, was attacked by by Islamist militants this year on Pentecost Sunday, no less. And in that attack, over forty parishioners were killed. And the, the tragic thing is that this is happening as we speak around the world, not just in Nigeria. But we at A.C.N. decided to to invite Bishop Jude to London to talk about the situation facing his diocese as an example of what's going on uh, for for those christians who are who are most oppressed in 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 countries like nigeria and so we invited him over to london to present his the situation in his country to parliamentarians in westminster he spoke at the report launch of this report persecuted and forgotten and he had some very shocking things to say and i hope that dr newton will be able to reflect on some of them and at the same time, he he went around London speaking to Christians, churches and pushing ACN's petition because one of ACN's current projects that we strongly encourage you to to, to look up and to sign is a petition based on Red Wednesday, which happened last week, uh, which is an event every year held to, to, to shine a light on Christian persecution. And if you go to acnuk.org forward slash petition hyphen 2022 you will see a petition on Nigeria that reads as follows, and I strongly encourage you to, to sign it. It's pushing the government, the UK government to call on their Nigerian counterparts to bring to justice those responsible for genocidal attacks, such as this Pentecost Sunday 2022 massacre, and countless other killings, abductions, and other atrocities. The UK government must demand the arrest and imprisonment of terrorists, the return of lands and villages, as well as compensation for destruction, of properties and livelihoods, and that's the destruction of, of uh, largely Christian properties and livelihoods, especially in the northern parts, the middle belt of Nigeria. So, if you go again to acnuk.org/forward/slash/petition-2022, uh, we strongly encourage you to to, to join us in making a, a big deal of what's going on in Nigeria, so the UK government can can start to wake up to this and call on their Nigerian counterparts, the Nigerian government, president. Um, Buhari and others to to solve this problem because it's not simply a, a problem facing Christians. Obviously, it's it's predominantly focused on Christians. There are strong religious undertones to this and Islamist militants, as we'll see in this report later on, are causing most of the damage, it seems. But the the, the, the situation is uh, an unstable situation for all Nigerians, especially those living in the north of the country. And so there's much more than simply a hand-wringing and religious claims that have to be made here there's a lot that politicians can do to even just provide the basic stability required for 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 living in their country so i'm going to invite dr john newton now to to come on and present nigeria which he he wrote in the report so thank you very much dr newton
1: thank you john well nigeria is one of those countries which is facing an almost existential crisis in terms of the the disaster that's facing it at the moment. Um, It's located in Western Africa, for those who aren't quite familiar with the geography, and it's one of the most populous countries on the continent, which makes the problems afflicting it all the more concerning, not just for Africa, but I would suggest for the whole world. Uh, Destabilisation in Nigeria will impact the rest of the continent, and it will impact all of us globally because it is, as I say, one of the most populous countries on the continent. According to just one assessment, more than 7,600 Christians were killed between January 2021 and June 2022. That's a staggering figure. And I'd just like people to pause and take that figure on board. 7,600 deaths in 18 months. And that's not the total number of deaths, that's the number of Christians who were killed. Others from the Muslim faith, from the animist faiths, uh, from from other belief systems were killed as well. But alone, 7,600 Christians were killed. And over that same 18-month period, 5,200 Christians were abducted. Again, other people were abducted as well, of other faiths, of other beliefs but just out of Christians, 5,200 people were abducted. These are staggeringly high figures, staggeringly high figures. And this says to us, more than anything else, that Nigeria is one of the countries in the world where Christians are facing the biggest problems at the moment. They have the greatest challenge, the greatest crisis facing them in that country. And why is this, you may ask yourself? Well, there are two main threats causing all this violence for the Christian community. The first is the militant group Boko Haram or ISWAP. Boko Haram is more of a nickname. It really means Western education is prohibited or forbidden. And ISWAP is a bit more self-explanatory. It means Islamic State West African Province and that's because this group is now allied to the group that calls itself ISIS or Islamic State. The other threat comes from militant or radicalised members of the Fulani herder community. But to start with Boko Haram, in the north, and particularly in the northeast, Boko Haram causes the biggest problem. In a 2012 video message, They publicly declared that they were starting a war on Christians, and they have been true to their word, and they have indeed targeted and waged war against our brothers and sisters. And it was three years later that the group pledged loyalty to the global terrorists that call themselves ISIS or Islamic State, and at that point they formally renamed themselves ISWAP, Islamic State West Africa Province. Now, Boko Haram often carries out raids on civilian settlements. They will abduct individuals, they will torch churches, they will torch houses. But often their targets are girls and women. In particular, girls and women are taken, they are forced to marry members of Boko Haram, and they are forced often to convert to Islam as well. Um, And when I say forced to marry, you can imagine exactly what that involves. Uh, This isn't just a case that they're forced to go through a ceremony. They are forced to perform all the duties of a wife um, and against their will. And it's been calculated that up to 95% of those abducted and forced to marry are Christians. As I say, Boko Haram made no secret of the fact that it was targeting Christians, and it has targeted Christians. That's not to say that others don't suffer. And i hate people to get the impression that it's only Christians who have suffered in the north and northwest. Moderate Muslims, when they have spoken out against ISWAP, have also ended up on the sharp edge of ISWAP's violence. They have seen their mosques burnt. They have seen their imams attacked. Anyone that stands against ISWAP is seen as a legitimate target but they particularly have it in the neck for Christians, because they are trying to establish a caliphate. They are trying to establish a Muslim state which reflects their own twisted vision of Islam. And as far as they're concerned, Christianity can have no part in this caliphate that they're trying to set up. And that's why Christians have suffered so much in the north and northeast. But as I say, that must be contextualised, that the whole region has suffered. Everyone has suffered, regardless of whether they're Muslim, animist or Christian. They have suffered from the fact that these terrorists are carrying out these atrocities. And at one point, Borno State was basically held by ISWAP. The state was under terrorist control, and there was a pushback by the Nigerian military with support from the international community, including from the UK in terms of military logistics, to help them defeat those terrorists. But they are still a very real force. They're not perhaps the problem they were one or two years ago. Internal divisions have caused them to turn on each other, and that's kept them occupied for the last few years. But they are nevertheless still a present and current danger to both the region and, in particular, to the Christians of that region. The other group I mentioned were the radical members of the Fulani community, and the problems from this group tend to affect the Middle Belt. Going back to the 1970s, we can find the, the root of these problems. Um, the Fulanis were an indigenous herder community, and they, they, they were transhuman, that's to say that they grazed their cattle and they moved their cattle from one place to another. It's the way that grazing was traditionally done back in Ireland in the Middle Ages, um, and until under um, rule from, from England, that was stopped. And dating back to the 70s, there were conflicts as these members of the Muslim majority nomadic herder community, the Fulani, clashed with local landowners, with the, the farmers. As the cattle went on to their land, the cattle would eat crops. And you would find these clashes, you would find these problems between the two groups. Now, many of the farmers were Christians, not exclusively Christians. There were Muslim farmers too, but the majority were Christians. And in many people's minds, this took on a a sort of sectarian clash. I I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. And I, I think certainly our church partners would stress that these clashes that started back in the 70s were not intrinsically religious in nature. Nature. It was very much about this transhumerant herder community bringing their cattle further south due to a, a whole host of issues, um, and coming up, rubbing up against the farmers when their crops went on, to, when their cattle went on to the land where there were crops where they ate the crops, where they trampled down the crops, these were clashes over land use and over changes which were affecting the traditional grazing routes of the Fulani herder community. And many of the narratives seeking to explain the violence we've seen in the Middle Belt over the last decade still rely on this old farmer-herder clash narrative as the, the way to understand the situation but what our project partners would say, what the bishops we've spoken to, what the priests we've spoken to would say, is that this is a naive and this is an overly simplistic interpretation of a situation that's grown far beyond its original root causes. Speaking to Age to the Church in Need in June of this year, Archbishop Matthew Manoso Nadegoso of Kaduna, and apologies if I haven't pronounced his name quite correctly, but our Archbishop Matthew of Kaduna said that in the last 10 years, it has taken a different dimension. And that different dimension is what I think we want to stress. He said the herdsmen used to be armed with sticks and bows. Now they have AK-47s. And the UK Parliament's all-party parliamentary group on international freedom of religion or belief has noted that, and this is a quote, church attacks do seem to illustrate that there is a religious dimension to the violence. Because one of the problems we're seeing now in the middle belt is that Christian settlements and Christian churches are being attacked. They are being specifically targeted by these groups. And I think we can say quite safely that this is a distinct that this is a distinct phenomena from the old farmer herder clashes. A number of factors, including political dissatisfaction, um, poverty from the inability to make a living from cattle rearing, um, all these things have pushed members of the Fulani herder community to criminal activities to support themselves. But over and above that, there has been growing evidence that these groups have become radicalised, that they are working with Boko Haram, that they are receiving training from Boko Haram, and this radicalization would account for the attacks that we are seeing on Christian majority settlements. It would account for the fact that we are seeing churches targeted. If this was just about land use, if this was just about grazing your cattle, you wouldn't see people coming in on motorbikes with guns, with bombs, targeting churches. There is something going on here that is intrinsically sectarian and is intrinsically religious. Um, And again, that's not to say it's just Christians suffering in the Middle Belt from these attacks. It's not. There are two million people displaced in the Middle Belt at the the moment. It went over the two million mark last month. And this has all been caused by these radicals, members of the Fulani herder community and everybody has had their lives disrupted. But the fact that we are seeing churches burnt down, the fact that we are seeing Christian majority villages targeted, again, says that Christians are in many instances bearing the brunt of these attacks. And to to give some examples, um, we've already mentioned the attack on Bishop Jude's church in June. I mean, June alone gave uh, a whole host of, of horrific examples Um, St. Francis Xavier's Catholic Church in Owo, which is Bishop in Bishop Jews' Diocese, 41 people, including children, were killed when armed men randomly opened fire into that congregation. Now, ISWAP has claimed responsibility for that atrocity. Now, that, that was surprising to many people because ISWAP has been confining its activities to the north and northeast. This happened in the southwest of Nigeria, almost diametrically opposed at the other end of the country. This was the first attack seen in the state. And yet Iswap is extending its 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 reach. It is extending its attacks. And one example of that was this, this massacre that we saw in Bishop Jude's diocese. But on the very same day, in Kajura, local government area, in southern Kaduna two churches belonging to the Evangelical Church Winning All were razed to the ground in two villages. And during attacks in four villages, 32 people were reported killed. This wasn't an ISWAP attack, this was an attack by radicalised members of the Fulani herder community. And from reports, around 150 motorcycles were each carrying three men armed with AK-47s, opened fire and led those attacks. And in one case, there was also a helicopter, a helicopter carrying out airstrikes on those villages. So these are well-armed people. These are not herders with cutlasses. These are not herders with, with bows and sticks that these are well-armed, well-resourced extremists who are carrying out attacks that have a devastating effect. And just staying in the Kajura local government area, about a fortnight later, St. Moses Catholic Church was attacked. At the end of mass, the extremists came in, some people were abducted, and during four attacks on that same day by radicalised members of the Fulani Herder community, No fewer than 36 people were seized, the biggest attack, as I say, being the one on St. Moses Catholic Church, where they opened fire again on the congregation. So the people of Nigeria are facing an absolutely horrific situation. But that's not to say that there's no hope. If we go back to the northeast, um, a number of survivors of Boko Haram violence are being cared for by the church, One might mention just one project, the Human Resources and Skill Acquisition Centre in Maiduguri, And this is a project that ACN knows well because it's a project that we have supported over the years. I mentioned before that women are often targeted by ISWAP, that they are often abducted, that they are often forced to marry them. And they have undergone some terrible ordeals. But the Human Resources and Skill Acquisition Centre in Madugri is helping women who have undergone such terrible ordeals to rebuild their lives. Some of the women on that programme have witnessed the murder of their husbands. Some have been abducted and abused by Boko Haram. Some have even been ordered by Boko Haram to act as suicide bombers, and they haven't gone through with it. But all these ordeals have left their mark on them. You know, these women are showing signs of exhaustion, of depression, of post-traumatic stress. And it's no wonder. It's no wonder, given what they've gone through. And with local authorities having done little or nothing to address their practical and psychological needs, as in so many other areas, the church has stepped in because the church has had to step in. And at this centre, the survivors of Boko Haram violence have been cared for and rehabilitated. Experts, including psychologists, are involved in the programme and they help them to come to terms with their experiences. The programmes themselves can last anything between six months and two years, depending on the needs of the individual women. And the reason that it's called a Human Resource and Skill Acquisition Centre is because these women are taught a profession. In most cases, they have lost their husbands, even if they were abducted by Boko Haram, even if they were forced to marry. The chances are that their husbands were killed during those initial raids, or perhaps they were abducted by Boko Haram, forced to act as Boko Haram soldiers, and then killed in raids. So these women now have to find a way to support themselves and their families. They need to have a life after captivity, and so they're taught basic trades, they're taught to become seamstresses, shoemakers, bakers, caterers, you know, basic jobs, but I say basic jobs, in some cases very skilled jobs, but they are given a vital trade that will allow them to care for themselves and to support their families. Uh, And Father Joseph Fidelis, who runs the centre, I remember interviewing him last year, And he was so grateful for the support that Aid to the Church in Need was giving to the centre. But he also stressed the need for the international community to pay more attention to what's happening in Nigeria. And this is a point Bishop Jude was making last week, that it's happening far away as far as we're concerned in the West. These attacks, these torchings of churches, these killings... They are becoming so regular that they are not making news. The reason that Bishop Jude's church made news was it was the very first church, as I said, in the south of the country to be attacked in that way. And so it made the news. But all these other attacks, all these other assaults do not make the news. And they are going on on a weekly, in some cases, on a daily basis. And I really would ask the listeners today to keep our brothers and sisters in Nigeria in their prayers, to remember that they are witnessing to the faith on really the razor edge, on the knife's edge of the faith. They are living in many of them are living in areas of Nigeria where being a Catholic, where going to church, where being a Christian, to, to going to, to your local place of worship, could see you targeted for attack by extremist groups. And that's over and above the the disruption that we are seeing caused by these extremist groups, both in the Northeast and in the Middle Belt. But let's pray for everyone that's been affected as well, for all the two million who have been made homeless in the Middle Belt. Many of them are Christian, but many of them are not. Let's remember our brothers and sisters who are homeless. Let's remember all of those of goodwill of other faiths who have made homeless as well. Let's commend them all to God. We're very quickly approaching Christmas now. We've started the, the Advent season, and we remember that our Lord and his, his foster father, St. Joseph, and his mother, the Immaculate Mother of God, St. Mary, found nowhere to live, nowhere to stay. They went to find a room in Bethlehem, and they couldn't find one. They know what it feels like to be homeless. So, so let's commend to the mercy of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and to the prayers of Our Lady and St. Joseph, all those who have been made homeless in the Middle Belt, as I say, all two million of them. The the bishops have tried to engage with the government of Nigeria in dialogue to try and get something done for these IDPs, to try and improve their lots. Because many of them are still in IDP camps, and there's great concern for the children and for the families in those camps. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for their future. And let, let's pray that, that in this Advent and, and drawing into the Christmas season as well, that there will be a great outpouring of mercy, that the hearts of the politicians will be touched and that something will be done for them. Because, as I say, in Nigeria, there is a a very real problem affecting our brothers and sisters and and let it touch our hearts and let it move us, not just to prayer, um, but also possibly to write to our MPs, to write to our political representatives and really try and do something for the people in Nigeria. And, and thank you, John, and, and thank you to Ray J. Maria for giving me the, the opportunity today to speak about the situation in the country.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. John Newton and John Candia, for that uh, fantastic um, expose of exactly what's happening uh, to Christians in Nigeria. And um, John and John mentioned the petition. Um, the Aid to the Church in Need petition. And there is a blog post on our website with a link to that petition. So that's another way to find it. If you go to the Radio Maria website and just live persecuted and forgotten, um, there's a a summary of the persecuted and forgotten report and a a hyperlink. Just click on the word petition and it will take you straight to that petition. There's also uh, podcasts of ACN's programme two weeks ago and last week with Bishop Jude. And in the podcast description, um, again, both of those have the link to the petition now time for a music break and i'm joined here by my colleague tim and he um grew up in south africa so he's well placed to choose the music and i just asked him to say something about this song that he's chosen tim
2: yes it's uh it's a version of the our father by the choral group lady smith black mambaza hope you enjoy it
0: let's have a listen Baba,
3: where to Baba wetu singe nile, we to singani le enda we ni imile usimemile uza usondele ma usize inge guyako pe gufundiseni wayo ma wefisumo yawa kope zugompe fumulowa Fulizinti ziyo Zetu Zilikonde Izvilako Susa ubumnyama Ezweni Sipe ubu kanyagako Masihambe Sihambe ni Djengo Busho kwezvilako Masingene Ezulini he vini, yes vini, has renewed. ko We are U baba We are long. Oh baba we are 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 baba wetu we O baba wetu osithandayo thandayo tina o baba wetu baba wetu we are over o baba baba wetu Ose Mazurini, Ari Pateng Kamalako, Tu Baba Tu Baba Weetu, Osichandayotina, Ween Loewet, we are we allow it. we allow it. we are we we are
0: This is Radio Maria, you're listening to Just Life and we're joined this morning by ACN, Aid to the Church in Need, who are giving us a detailed report on the situation um, in Africa this morning and Dr John Newton has told us exactly what is happening in Nigeria. And now um, John Candia is going to tell us what's happening um, on the rest of the African continent. Over to you John.
2: Thank you Elizabeth and thank you to all those who are listening today to radio maria and for those of you who had just joined just a very brief summary of where we are my, my colleague dr john newton from aid to the church in need a pontifical foundation of the catholic church supporting the catholic faith or other christians where they are persecuted or oppressed or in pastoral need he just presented the situation in nigeria for christians our brothers and sisters in the faith who for professing the truth of jesus christ often in very hostile environments are facing attacks, murders, violence of all kinds, and ACNA to the church in need has just produced a report launched in parliament two weeks ago to explain the findings of this report and to urge the church and and also political authorities to do more to not only alleviate the sufferings of persecuted Christians, but also to console them and to, to encourage them in the faith and to really be an example uh, for them, just as they are an example for us. And in fact, the tribulations the church is facing in the West, uh, we we can also learn in those situations from our brothers and sisters in, in Africa, in Asia and in the Middle East. And this week we're focusing on Africa. And Africa has seen some of the worst violence against Christians by non-state actors. So as opposed to perhaps an emphasis in places like China and North Korea, where the, the government is, is more involved in persecuting the Christian faithful. In Africa, it's often uh, jihadists and groups like Boko Haram, Islamic State, West Africa, who are carrying out the attacks. And the problem in Africa is is usually that the governments are so weak that they can't help solve the the problem. And they can't drive away the the jihadist influence that is growing by the year. And Nigeria is one of the worst countries uh, that has seen such activity. And that's why Dr. Newton, my colleague who, who researched a lot of this report, presented on Nigeria today and also because Bishop Jude, who's from Nigeria, came to London precisely to air the concerns of Christians from his diocese about what's happening in in, in that area of part of the world. And he came to present the report at the report launch in parliament. So Nigeria has been very closely connected with ACN's work on this in the last few months. Christians across Africa face the threat of rising Islamist extremism and groups like Boko Haram and Islamic State West Africa province Are trying to establish caliphates in the Sahel region, which is uh, surrounding the Sahara Desert. And each of these regions of these caliphates that are being set up uh, have their own wali, a governor, and a governing structure. And part of the government structure is that Christians are not very welcome. And uh, taking a, a Salafi jihadist stance, the Islamic State in Greater Sahara, ISGS, has banned things like music, parties, and heavily regulated social events such as weddings. And just to give you an example of what's happening, and this is the, the time I've got now to present on five other countries in Africa, not simply Nigeria, which is a hotspot. Uh, the Islamic State in Greater Sahara has has executed, for example, five Christian civilians seized at a roadblock between Mali and Niger. Uh, in Mozambique, al-Shabaab has stepped up a terror campaign killing Christians, attacking Christian villages, and burning down churches. And the group, al-Shabaab, In Mozambique is affiliated to Daesh, uh, ISIS, uh, which has claimed responsibility for the March 2021 attack on Parma, a city in northeast Mozambique. And extremist groups like uh, like Al Shabaab, like ISIS, uh, are not the only problem on the continent. And as I referred to earlier, even in other continents like China and North Korea, the government has a a huge uh, part to play in what's happening to Christians. So too in Africa. And with the removal of, for example, in Sudan President Omar al-bashir, and in, in April 2019, which ended a period of ex- increasing Islamism, Christians in Sudan are waiting to see how the new government would act after a 2021 military coup. And again early signs are not encouraging there in Sudan, like in Nigeria, where church leaders are detained and a couple was even charged recently with adultery because the husband converted to Christianity. and this can happen throughout the continent. And we see more and more cases such as 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 Christian couples being charged with adultery because one of them has converted from Islam to Christianity or even both. And according to reports, often these couples are subjected to degrading and inhuman treatment. And then moving across to Eritrea and Ethiopia, again there are some big red flags. In country sources that ACN, a to the church in need, is in touch with, have spoken to us and relayed the sufferings of, of the recent war in Tigray. And in Ethiopia's northern Tigray region, Eritrean and Ethiopian troops have attacked clergy and church buildings. And Eritrean troops stand accused of a campaign of essentially ethically motivated cultural cleansing. And they've participated in massacres of Ethiopian Christians, such as the one at Aksum. And in fact, the one at Aksum was particularly devastating. Um, it's been hard to find all the details because part of ACN's work is precisely trying to find reliable sources, but according to a number of international organizations and news sources, it seems that the massacre could potentially include up to 800 people at an orthodox church in Aksum in in northern Ethiopia, which is just on the border with Eritrea. And so ethnic, political, military disputes in those two regions in northeast Africa have caused a number of of serious problems for Christians there who are often caught up in these disputes and on some occasions the target of these disputes as well. And my colleague Dr. Newton referred earlier to the situation in Nigeria that whoever criticizes the jihadist caliphate finds himself on the wrong end of of the stick. And and the same with, with parts of, of northeast Africa where uh, not taking the side of one force or another can lead to to the, the detriment of, of many Christian groups. In fact, the massacre at Aksum city in northern Ethiopia seemed to suggest uh, some sources have told us that many people, because this is the, the place where the Ark of the Covenant, many believe, is kept. And uh, the, the, the the suggestion was that many of them were defending the Ark of the Covenant uh, when these troops, uh, Eritrein, um and Ethiopian troops, uh, carried out the attack. And In in May 2021, uh, Patriarch Matthias, who's the head of the Ethiopian Orthodox Tewahedo Church, said that the Ethiopian government, with the help of the Eritrean forces, these two different countries, want to destroy the people of Tigray, this northern region of Ethiopia. And he asked why Ethiopia wanted to declare genocide on the people of Tigray. And again, many Christians are caught up in that particular dispute. And then moving across to other parts of Africa, so if, if we consider where Nigeria is in the west of Africa, not far from Nigeria is the country of Mali. And Mali has seen similar issues to Nigeria. So less so to do with state persecution and, and more to do with, with, with jihadist and other Islamist groups which are operating in the region. And Mali's is a population of 20.3 million people, Muslim population of 90 percent, Christians constituting about just over 2 percent of the population. So a small minority there. And Sunni Muslims make up most of the 18 million followers of Islam in, in Mali. And of just over 450,000 Christians in the country, two-thirds are Catholic. But in 2012, radical Islamist groups seized control of the north of Mali, driving Christians from their home. And, and Mali is a, a country on the Sahara Desert, bordering Algeria, and not far from Nigeria. So it has similar geographical concerns to, to Nigeria and Chad another country in central africa and and these desert countries tend to have very weak government infrastructure and that militates against for example stopping the military incursions of of jihadist groups so it's very difficult to control them when the distances of travel are so huge when the opportunities for work are very few and so therefore often those who are who are working in these areas are very vulnerable and there, there isn't the same infrastructure that you'd expect in a more urbanized area where things are easier to to keep an eye on. And so that's been one challenge Christians have faced in these areas that Christian communities, Christian villages in the Sahara um, are very vulnerable and open to attack. So as my, my colleague, Dr. Newton, referred to, helicopters and, and other forms of military technology have been seen in the last few years, and it's a, it's a radical step up from, from what was happening before where as you referred to pitchforks was more in in, in keeping with how christians were, were attacked whereas now it seems to be organized military technology that is potentially coming from other countries and there are there are definitely concerns about the extent to which for example the uk government is selling weapons to governments in the middle east who then can forward them on to african countries and so all these things have to be kept in mind when we pressure our politicians And others to act that if they're going to be giving with one hand and taking with another it's not going to help those christians who are really suffering and this displacement uh, so christians in mali and nigeria who have to flee from their towns uh, this displacement is affecting uh, a number of african countries as well and especially in in places like the sahara it's very difficult for, for christians to flee because there aren't many places to flee to. and in in the north of nigeria for example where uh, Islam is the majority, it's it's very difficult for Christians to find the same sympathy that they may find in a Christian-majority country. And so in places like Mali, with a 90% Muslim population, um, Christians can sometimes struggle to find that sympathy. And so aid to the church in need is there to help them and, and to provide support. And then moving across as well to Sudan in northeast Africa, as I mentioned earlier, there's been a recent a coup d'etat in April 2019 and a lot of political instability and an attempted military takeover, uh, among other things. And this has led to a lot of turmoil. And often in these times of turmoil, keeping the rule of law, passing laws that are favorable to Christians to practice their faith, are not always on the books. And we've seen that recently in a number of cases, uh, such as in May 2022. This year, uh, astonishingly, uh, in fact, a couple were charged with adultery because a Sharia court annulled their own marriage on the grounds of the husband's conversion to Christianity. And so the penalty for this, remarkably, uh, could be up to 100 lashes. And uh, the, the the husband and the wife uh, were Muslim when they married in 2016. But then in 2018, when the husband converted to Christianity, uh, his wife's family sought and won a Sharia court decision, Islamic law decision, to dissolve their marriage on the basis that the husband had committed apostasy simply for converting to Christianity after getting married and at one time this was punishable by death however in 2020 um, one sign of improvement for the conditions uh, for the practice of the Christian faith in Sudan is that in 2020 at the end of uh, Omar al-Bashir's Islamist regime apostasy was decriminalized and in 2021 um, the the wife also converted to Christianity and um, she returned to her husband with their two children. But then in a turn of events, her brother actually charged a couple with adultery under a, a criminal law from Sudan uh, from 1991. So you can see in this kind of situation that it's not simply uh, governments, jihadist groups, but families, communities who are torn apart by disagreements over truth, over the faith and over how to practice one's faith. And uh, one of the things A uh, to the Church in is doing in these countries is precisely being there, to have um, to have the opportunity for these Christians who are under such community pressure and pressure of family and friends um, to to have a, a voice, to give them a voice and to be a listening ear to them and to try and help solve their situations as best we can. And that's one of the things that my colleagues do very commendably, and I see that every day. They're always there available to help those Christians who are suffering, whatever their situation is. And many times ACN can't help, many times it can't. And and that's where you come in, dear listeners. And I would say at this point, if you haven't yet seen our website, I'd recommend please go to acnuk.org and find out more about ACN, which is the only established Catholic institution, uh, official Catholic institution, which is on the ground in these countries to help persecuted Christians. And we're running a petition at the moment. I'd thoroughly encourage you to sign it. It's on Nigeria. We're pressuring the UK government to alleviate some of the stress that christians are facing in nigeria and partly the way to do that is to put pressure on the nigerian government so uh, if you go to acnuk.org forward slash petition hyphen 2022 you will find a very useful petition that's rolling up very soon so i'd encourage you to, to sign it get your friends to sign it and it's calling on the nigerian government uk government to pressure nigerian government to bring to justice those responsible for the attacks the kind of attacks I've just referred to that ISIS are carrying out, Islamic State West Africa, Boko Haram and the kind that have, have, have stretched across Africa in recent years and are growing and Africa is one of the hotspots of ACN's new research. The UK government must demand the arrest and imprisonment of terrorists the return of Christian lands and villages as well as compensation for the destructions of Christian po- properties and livelihoods and so my question to you is very simple today if you had returned home today from work to see your, your house, your property completely destroyed, burned up, uh, and and your family <laughs> taken captive, your family tortured, or even worse, killed, and in many cases uh, with no recompense, nowhere to go, nowhere to go for justice. If you had been in that situation, my question to you is, who would you turn to? And the answer is very simple, that in many parts of Africa and the, and the wider world, it's ACN, take to the church in need and that's the the first portal call for many people and ACN has contacts on the ground priests missionaries those who who regularly go out to to conduct pastoral work as well as as full-time workers and volunteers many volunteers who are providing very useful feedback to ACN and it's that feedback that we strongly encourage you as well to give us anything that you know about the situation in Africa or the situation in the Middle East or in Asia perhaps you have family yourself are in similar situations, please let us know. Get in touch with us. Go on our website acnuk.org. Feel free to reach out to us and let us know. And I just want to to end with a a quote from a religious sister in Mali who who has suffered many of these challenges that we've referred to in this last hour. Her name is Sister Gloria Cecilia Navayet, and she was released after being held in jihadist captivity in February uh, 2017. So she was released just last October 2021. And she was abducted near the border with Burkina Faso in Central Africa by the militant group JNIM on the 7th of February, 2017, in the village of Karangaso. And she was ministering to the poor when she was abducted. And she later told us, at aid to the church in need, about her ordeal in captivity. She said this. While she was in captivity, she used to pray these words, my God, It is hard to be chained and to receive blows, but I live this moment as you present it to me. And in spite of everything, I would not want any of these men, as in her captors, to be harmed. She added, They asked me to repeat bits of Muslim prayers to wear Islamic style garments, but I always let it be known that I was born in the Catholic faith and that I grew up in that religion, and that for nothing in the world would I change that, even if it cost me my life. And so, those are the words of Sister Gloria. Cecilia Narvaez from from Mali. She's originally, I believe, from Colombia, but she's she's been working in Mali for a number of years. And accounts like this are on the one hand very encouraging, on the one hand, surprising, you might say, given all they've suffered. But it's that the faith in Jesus Christ that keeps them going. And it's that faith that's an example to us, and not only to those of us who, who have friends and family in the in the outside world outside of Europe who are suffering in places like Africa and Middle East, but also to the church in Europe uh, in all of the troubles that we are going through. And so examples like Sister Gloria uh, are very inspiring to us, and that's one of the things that keeps ACN's work going. And to be very honest, is one of the reasons I joined ACN, precisely because I wanted to learn from the example of the martyrs. And so this report, Persecuted and Forgotten? Question mark, a report on Christians oppressed for their faith, 2020 to 2022, is available to order from the ACN UK website, and if you want to order it, I'd thoroughly recommend it, as well as to sign our petition to get involved. Please pray for for those who are suffering, Christians around the world who need your help and who are witnessing to Jesus Christ in some of the most hostile environments, who have often no one to talk to, who have no one to to seek recourse to justice to. And often it's volunteers working for ACN, ACN employees, ACN contacts, ACN Supporters, benefactors, who who are the first ones that they can speak to. So the more that you can help A C N, in many ways, the better. And that's through prayer, first of all, to pray, pray, pray for those Christians who are who are facing the challenges that very few of us can imagine in in the way that they are persecuted. And then also to to give, if you can, A C N always appreciates your help and is very grateful for those who have given of their time and their money and their efforts uh, to help persecuted Christians. Reach out to your politicians. You can find it very easily on the UK Parliament website. Contact details for your local politician. Write them a letter. Feel free to contact us at ACN, and we can even draft you a letter, send to your politicians, asking them to pressure their government to to, to, to write to these governments in Africa, like in Mali, Nigeria, Sudan, Mozambique, Eritrea, and Ethiopia in particular, asking them to, to pressure these governments to do more, to stop persecuted Christians living in the conditions that they're living in, and even with a few small tweaks a lot can be done and it doesn't need to be uh, the most radical overhaul to help improve the lot of persecuted christians in these countries and so i'd recommend finally prayer giving and and helping out with us uh, those three things and i want to thank again elizabeth at radio maria the whole radio maria team i want to thank uh, dear listeners you as well for for spending this time with us please feel free to get in touch with us any questions you have And we're very happy to help. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, John. We have really run out of time. However, I do want to open the phone lines just in case anyone has any feedback or a question for you. So listeners, do call in on 223 375 564 if you have a question or a comment for John this morning. And we have a beautiful uh, final piece of music. It's a hymn sung by a Benedictine Abbey in uh, Senegal. the beautiful hymn sung by Benedictine monks in Senegal, bringing our just life uh, to an end today. Today, Thank you so so much to to John John Newton. Sorry, Sorry, having some technical technical issues issues here. here. Thank you so much to John Newton and John Candia for uh, joining us This morning from ACN Aid to the Church in Need. And once again, do please sign their petition going to their website, going to the blog on our website, Just Live Persecuted and Forgotten. Do listen to uh, the first episode, the introduction to the report, Persecuted and Forgotten. And do join us again in two weeks' time um, when ACN will be back, and they will be talking about the Middle East and, in particular, Iraq. Um, So thank you once again, John, and um, we look forward to, uh, to the next program in two weeks.
2: Thank you, Elizabeth.